0: Thinking about even our pre-interview, you, you had mentioned, this is how I work, this is how you work, does this work for you? Does this work for me? How can we find the best way to support each other and make sure that this is going to be a successful situation for both of us? And I think that's the best approach, whether you have a disability or not. Everybody works differently, everyone has different work styles, everyone has different needs. And usually if you're opening that conversation, people are less likely to feel like they have to share their status, but more likely to say that these are my needs.
1: Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Igel I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to the You Belong in the C Suite podcast. This week, I had such a great time connecting with Alex Gilbert. She has an inspiring message and mission. Alex is a New Yorker, a Mets fan, a yogi, and a brunch enthusiast. She also has dyslexia and ADHD. After spending her career working in leadership development, she decided to start a consulting and coaching business that will help adults with learning disabilities and or ADHD like herself who have been struggling in their careers. Her business, Capable Consulting, was created to help them navigate their day-to-day workloads so that they can feel supported and are able to reach their highest potential. Her biggest goal in creating Capable Consulting is to change the stigma surrounding learning disabilities and ADHD by reminding people what they are capable of. Listen to our discussion on supporting learning disabilities in the workplace, how to transition back to the office, and how being inclusive is good for everyone. Let's get started. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm just so excited that we're here today to talk to Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Do you mind telling our listeners more about you? Tell us your story.
0: Yeah, I'd love to. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. I'd say my story really starts around the time I was eight years old and actually being diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. And it really is my privilege in this story because when our school district wouldn't provide any kind of testing or resources, my parents could not only provide for me financially and get the support we needed by getting testing outside of our school, but also moving us to a completely different school district so that I could get any support I needed to really stay on par with my peers, which I had all the way through college. And when I went to college at Indiana University, I was you know, in this huge, large university system, and I was very close to the now former director of disability services at IU. And I figured out how to navigate, but, Now I was trying to help other students because she would call me and say, Hey, Alex, can you talk to this person or that person? And, and I would always say yes, but it got to my junior year. And I said to her, this is like a huge university. There's over a thousand students who use disability services. Now, by the way, it's almost 10,000 students who use disability services. How come we don't have a program to do this? And she said, well, you know, we don't really have the time or the motivation. And I was like, okay can i be your time and your motivation and she was like yeah sure um can you meet with that person next week and i said yes um and i'll see you next week i came in with a powerpoint presentation of how i was going to create the peer undergraduate mentor program or pump which was a mentor retention program for students with disabilities and i taught them how to advocate for themselves and how to talk to their professors and where to study and it was really an amazing program that won a lot of awards from city and un- university. So I thought when I graduated from college, I was gonna be in the best possible scenario. I knew how to advocate for myself. I knew how to talk to people. I knew what my strengths were, except for when I was working, I knew none of those because all of the resources and advocacy that I learned was in school and not in the workplace. And they are really like apples and oranges. So I suffered with mental health challenges and although I did well in all of my jobs, I was struggling immensely and you know a decade after of working in program and leadership development I was laid off from my job because of COVID and stopped and said what am I doing why am I going to go back to this when I can take the time I wanted to support other adults with learning disabilities or ADHD and so I did and that's where Cape of Bowl Consulting was born.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that story it's really inspirational and it shows how much is needed in this space, especially at work. When I think of, you know, learning disabilities, like this stereotypical, you know, you think of, you know, like you said, like at school, right? It doesn't automatically think about, you don't automatically think about, well, at work. And as a mom, I think, you know, as kids, they're diagnosed, right? But they become adults in the workforce. So I
0: wish more people thought about,
1: yeah. No, that's a, I mean, it's a huge realization. It does not stop once you're done with school. It's your life.
0: Exactly. And that's one of the common misconceptions about this is that you outgrow it. And I remember talking to a friend who was a resource teacher. And she's like, well, you know, we hope that by the time you graduate, you know what to do. I did in school. Mm-hmm. Your whole life you were in these school systems. Right. Yeah, you think of, again, you think of kids and there's a ton of resources for parents and for kids and for educators and everything else, but not really for adults. And you get to the workplace and it's really hard, really hard.
1: And your services are just so needed. But as you think about, you know, learning, like all of these things, learn disabilities and ADHD, how common is it in adults?
0: I'm going to break it down in a few different ways. There's, One, if you look overall statistics, it's about 4% of people in the workplace that have a learning disability or ADHD, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you were to really zoom in on this population, about 30% of those people struggle with their job and their responsibilities because of their disability, and 60% of them are fired from their job because of their disabilities. So let's backtrack that and think of the kids who were being diagnosed who had all of those resources that doesn't exist when you get to college or when you graduate from college and start working. You don't have those resources. They often don't talk about their learning disability or ADHD in the workplace because they're afraid to be seen as stupid or incapable because it doesn't affect their intelligence and they could quote unquote get by. And then you have the people who are not diagnosed until they're adults, which is actually the highest population of people who are being diagnosed because again, you're really bright. And you can overcompensate and get through everything that you've you've done this far, but that internal struggle is there. And again, you could still be fired for all of the things that you struggle with. So it's overall has so many different elements and it's not talked about enough.
1: Yeah, and it's just so interesting this idea of going undiagnosed until adulthood, because mm-hmm. those those people don't even have the benefit of the the school the things that they learned in school right
0: yeah exactly
1: or if it's a misdiagnosis so there's a lot of complexity there
0: i i think that's the most common conversations i have with people are actually with adults who are being diagnosed now or at least assuming or thinking they might have a learning disability or adhd i'd say more adhd more than anything else a lot of women i'll say are misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed because there's three different types of ADHD. One, which is the hyperactive, which is what you think of when you think of those hyperactive boys who are just disrupting class and wild and and that kind of stuff. And then there's the inattentive, which a lot of the times girls are inattentive. They might be fidgety in their seat. They might not be paying attention, but again, they're smart and they can get by. Or you have both which is hyperactive and inattentive at exactly the same time. So those girls are overly talkative and you know really bubbly and outgoing and everybody thinks that's just they're a very outgoing person which they are, but it's also, you know, part of their personality to be maybe inattentive and not paying attention. So I, it is really hard to diagnose that. I'd also say that people of color are even less diagnosed than women. Especially kids, even though they show the same symptoms and rates as their peers, it's they're their white peers, but it's they're also less medicated because of it, and it's it is systematically just so frustrating to think about.
1: It really is. And so, when you work with um, when you work with your clients, I imagine some of the same behavior, well, maybe not the same behaviors come up, but in your own experience, can you tell me what it was like? to live with your diagnosis at work and what behaviors show up for you in your job?
0: In hindsight, I see a lot of things now that were really a problem for me in the workplace that I didn't necessarily think about the time that I was working. Tell you my first job out of college, I was working in a small office with five other people and it was like a main office and my desk was the first one you saw I was interrupted constantly. Everyone was coming in to talk to me. There were other people on the phone. I couldn't figure out why I just wanted to wait until everyone was gone to actually do anything. And I was burnt out because I was trying to use so much energy to focus on my work, but I really wasn't set up to do that. Mm -hmm. And I asked my boss if I could use noise canceling headphones and he told me no, because He thought that it would be rude to other people if they wanted to talk to me, which in hindsight, I now know I could have gone and and talked to him about the ADA and all of the different responsibilities that he had as an employer to protect me. But that was just something so simple that I didn't realize was really affecting my work performance.
1: And did it show up differently in your different jobs over time? Or did you adapt your behavior?
0: Oh, definitely. Um, I had different, I had different scenarios and different jobs because the responsibilities were different. The mm-hmm. visibility was different. I wasn't necessarily going to speak up in the same way. If I, if I had other people that were below me who were looking up to me to say, you know, how was Alex doing this X, Y, and Z, but I had to figure out how to advocate for myself in a very different way. But I really struggled when things were dropped on my plate at the last minute. And I didn't have the proper amount of time for me to, look through it, answer it, proofread it, you know, all of those different things. Another boss used to say to me, Alex, you have such a hard time living in the gray, but I needed that structure in order to be able to think and be predictable and all of those things. I needed that to do well in my job, or at least that's how I perceived it. So I would get this analysis paralysis when I had other responsibilities that I wasn't expecting or didn't know how to perform perfectly. And I think that that perfectionism is really a big strong suit for someone who has a learning disability or ADHD. I'm going to say it really stems from anxiety Mm. of being seen as stupid or having any kind of demeaning and demoralizing language that had ever been used on me previously. I never wanted anyone to think of me as less than. So if something was dropped on my plate that I wasn't expecting, that I didn't know how to do perfectly, I was freaking out. And it was obvious, you know, again, in hindsight, it was obvious and I probably would have handled it differently. I think a lot of people would have, but you don't know when you're in those moments.
1: Yeah. And, it, and um, like you said, you didn't want people to have a certain perception of you. So I would imagine that limited you, uh, it held you back from asking for the support that you needed. Do you, is that a common thing that happens with people with learning disabilities and ADHD?
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I always talked about my learning disabilities and ADHD pretty openly. I felt like that's what made me really good at a lot of parts of my job. Because I had dyslexia, I was a really good problem solver. I was really organized. It was all these things that I felt like were my strong suits were actually because of my disability. So I was talked about it. I would say most people that I work with don't talk about it. Don't talk about it to their employer. And I never push that on anybody to do if that's not their level of comfort. And that's not my expectation either. What I will say is that everyone needs to learn how to advocate for themselves, whether you have a disability or not, and how you get to know yourself and how to advocate for yourself is part of that. So if you ask to have clear cut directions because you wanna make sure that you're doing everything the way they're expecting, someone who has a learning disability or ADHD might ask for that, but someone who doesn't, who just has a lot on their plate might ask for that, want that. And that's good for everybody. So that's how I always approached it, that you don't have to share if you don't want to, you know, feel comfortable. But what can you ask for that helps support you to do your job in the best way possible?
1: I love that. And I love that just for anybody. It's just really great advice to get the support that you need, to get the clarity that you need, to get the context that you need. Because some of the things that not great managers do is not provide some of that stuff. And there's a lot of not great managers out there.
0: Yes, I, I've, I've talked to a few people about that as well. <laughs> so you mentioned just a
1: minute ago, you know, some of the strengths that you have because of your, your disability. Can you talk a little bit more about that and kind of that reframe of this superpower of the benefits? Because some of the things that you mentioned are common in a lot of high performers.
0: Yeah, and that's actually where I find a lot of my clients are, are these really high performers because people with ADHD are really intelligent, but also very creative. They think outside of the box, they feed off of people's energy. And people with dyslexia, it's, it's similar, but they also are the ultimate problem solvers. They're really good at storytelling. They're empathetic more than most people because they are trying so hard to understand and then interpret for themselves. So all of those things that they're living in a day-to-day life are now trying to simplify for themselves over and over again. So I, in my last job, I had turned down this job five times, out of six times that have asked because I didn't think I was up for the task. It was a really big job. And everyone who was approaching me about it said, Alex, you are the only person to do this job because you can not only see the big picture and the little details, but you can actually plan it out, manage it out and think through how every single person is going to perceive this information. And they were absolutely right. Was this job going to kill me? Absolutely. But was I the right person for this job and figuring out all of those little details? Yes, because that's how I think. That's how I organize. That's how I manage a lot of my own day-to-day stuff. So I didn't even know those were skills Mm -hmm. until I was really being told that that's why I was being sought out for jobs. So it's a number of different pieces like that.
1: No, I really like that. And I I think you're right. Your superpower is usually something that you don't realize others can't do, but it comes so easily to you and you are sought out for it.
0: Yeah. I, I had this job interview once, I think it was among my first jobs. And they asked me if I knew how to multitask. And I started laughing because I didn't think, I didn't know she was kidding. She wasn't kidding. And she stopped me and she's like, why are you laughing? I said, wait, this wasn't a joke. And she said, no. I said, people don't know how to multitask. And she said, no. And it was like one of those aha moments. I felt like she just watched my head explode. Because yeah, I thought my whole life I wasn't good at anything. And here I was doing something so simple in my mind that was so hard for others.
1: Yeah, that's a really great insight.
0: Yeah. So
1: how as a leader, how can... You accommodate for people on your team who you know or who you don't know have learning disabilities and ADHD.
0: Conversations. I always talk about this. Uh, you know, the second part of my business. First part is is coaching individuals who have learning disabilities or ADHD. But the second part of my business is is consulting with companies and organizations to really try and make it much more inclusive to not only people with learning disabilities or ADHD but everybody. Because once you create this environment that everyone could thrive, everyone's more likely to thrive. So I had talked to a lot of people about how they could do this exact conversation that we're having. And it's really thinking about even our pre-interview, you, you had mentioned, this is how I work. This is how you work. Does this work for you? Does this work for me? How can we find the best way to support each other and make sure that this is going to be a successful situation for both of us? And I think that's the best approach, whether you have a disability or not, everybody works differently. Everyone has different work styles. Everyone has different needs. And usually if you're opening that conversation, people are less likely to feel like they have to share their status, but more likely to say that these are my needs.
1: I love that. I love, um, and I love the idea of sharing your own needs to then ask about somebody else's needs because everybody has needs. Everybody has a third work style. And what a great way to model that as a leader.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking in the pandemic, I feel like that that's been, this has been a conversation that's come up over and over again of people are figuring out how to work from home and eventually go back to the office. But so the people were having needs that were not being met when they were in their office versus now being working from home, they've been able to adapt their day and their structure of their day and think differently. And they're going to advocate for that, again, regardless of their status or not.
1: I love that you brought this up because, of course, I'm going to ask in the pandemic, has it been harder for people with learning disabilities,
0: ADHD at work? I think it's really it depends on the person. Some people I spoke to really struggled with figuring out what this structure looked like for them. Um, They couldn't figure out their environment. They couldn't figure out how to organize their files or other pieces. Others thrived because they weren't forced to sit at a desk from nine to five. And they didn't feel like they had to focus for that amount of time. No one was sitting there watching them. You know, everyone had some kind of other responsibilities or just trying to take care of their own mental health in between. So it really depended on the person. Me personally, I think I did much better creating my own structure and I'm less stressed having my own business and I was working for somebody else, which sounds counterintuitive, but it's, I'm working around my needs and my hours.
1: Yeah. And I love that you know that about yourself so that you can set up the systems and structures that you thrive in.
0: That's exactly what I try and do for my clients is my first package with people is getting to know you is how can we figure out how to get to know yourself, know your needs, know your strengths, and really figure out a way to think, organize, maintain your life that's sustainable and attainable for you. And I think
1: that's something that leaders, like you said, can ask and support their teams with and that companies are doing too. So what um, accommodations, whether through ADA or just best practices, can companies put into place that you work with?
0: So I prefer not to use the phrasing best practices because I think it really assumes the fact that everyone could do the exact same thing and end up with the same results, which really isn't the case. So I code based on best practices versus best principles, meaning that we have the same goals and how we get there is gonna be up to you. So I would really go back to that with the companies that I'm working with as well and say, what's working? What are your employees feel like is working? What's not? How can we really make adjustments that make everybody feel more comfortable? If you're going back to the office and you're an open office space, are you providing noise canceling headphones for everyone? Are you providing different software capabilities, things like Speechify that reads your emails for you or Grammarly that has word editing and and make sure that your grammar is correct when you're sending out emails? If you have all of these different software pieces available, everybody's going to use them. You know, it's having special lighting or a different room if you're having phone calls. I mean, they're really simple things, but it, and it sounds very simple, but it's really going to be about what your company, what your setting is like, and what's the best approach for your company and your setting.
1: And I love the, the fact that you differentiated best practices and best principles. It is just so important, so thank you for that, um, because what will work at one company might not work at another company. What will work for one person may absolutely be the
0: opposite of what works
1: for another person. So thank exactly. you for that.
0: Exactly, that's why I say it. That's, that's awesome.
1: So as, um, as employees are returning back to office, I see many pictures on LinkedIn, lots of people <laughs> back to the office. What can they do to get the support that they need?
0: I really like to think back to centering yourself and figuring out what does success look like for you and how can it be achieved? Because you need to be able to not only know what those pieces are, but know what your non-negotiables are. So when you're going into a conversation, you really find their compromise that's going to work for both of you, whether that's in the office twice a week or in the office four days a week, but maybe you have a different space you know, it's really going to be dependent on what is important to you in order for you to feel successful. And the truth is, in the last year and a half, you've probably still been able to do your job. So what was it about that that was, was gave you the, the opportunity to still do that? So that's what I would say.
1: And I, I think it's important for all of us as employees, but then also as leaders to think about this for yourselves, your teams, your holistic organization. It's just a lot of change. Um, but I, it's just really important. It's an important topic. And I know that you have some resources that you're working on for employees to think about it. Can you tell me more about?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really fitting into exactly what we're talking about. So I am running a workshop. We're going back to the office to figure out what that success looks like for you and how you can learn how to advocate for yourself and feel comfortable going back because there's so much anxiety going back to the office, I was doing really well here, there, elsewhere. That's real. That's valid. Everyone is feeling that. So I'm here to support you through this workshop. So that's on August 12th or on August 18th. And I have two different times uh, that you can find on my website, which is capableconsulting.com.
1: That's so exciting that these resources exist. Um, I'm really excited that you're offering this. It's an important thing to do, and we'll also put that in our show notes so that people can learn more about you. This um, webinar uh, is it a webinar?
0: Uh, no, I'm actually wanted to be interactive, so it's okay. not a webinar. It's a meeting.
1: Awesome, love it. Even better. Um, and uh, just learn about all of your services. So we'll put all of that in the show notes um, so that people can connect with you.
0: Great. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's just been really great getting to know you and to really understand how we can best support everybody and be inclusive as we do that. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.